We've got two scripture readings this morning. It's a twofer. First reading comes from the Gospel of John. This is chapter 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple we found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Our second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of God for the people of God. So uh, this morning we are well into the season of Lent, and throughout the season, the preachers at Hot Metal are working with the question, what is the gospel? It's such a big question that there can be many responses, each one illuminating a different aspect of the good news that was brought to us by Jesus. But in the end, we must all deal in some way with the scandal of the cross. And this can be bad news for preachers. It's a challenging message to deliver because what seems good about the cross, really? Isn't it kind of weird that we wear them around our necks as jewelry and have them tattooed on our arms? If you saw someone with an electric chair necklace or a lethal injection tattoo, wouldn't you find that kind of odd? Wouldn't you cross the street to avoid passing them on the sidewalk? just in case they impulsively did something crazy and or nihilistic? Because what's good about an instrument of torture and execution? What's good about a healer betrayed by his friend? What's good about a teacher of truth condemned by religious leaders? And what's good about a prophet for justice silenced by an empire? This is a problem for preachers. We want to offer illumination and explanation, 
We want to provide assurance and wisdom. This was Paul's problem too. And even he said, the message about the cross is foolishness. Or at least it is from certain perspectives. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you count yourself firmly among those who are being saved, among those who do not stumble over the cross, among those who find in it nothing but the wisdom and power of God. And if that's you, then you can rest easy this morning, brothers and sisters. But there are some of us here this morning who do stumble, some who feel more comfortable maybe being counted with the scribes and debaters and skeptics, some who have questions. Some of us are uncertain whether we really get it or not. Now, if that sounds like you, you probably know that you are not alone. From the very beginning, our culture's most influential thinkers have struggled to find meaning in the cross. The most skeptical have found other things there, cruelty, tragedy, superstition, injustice, but rarely wisdom. And our text this morning got me thinking about famous folks who have found only foolishness in the cross. You've got your new atheism crew, right? Your Richard Dawkins, your Sam Harris types. You've got your famous philosophers like Friedrich Nietzsche. You've got your fair share of ancient Romans. But in terms of cultural influence in America, none of those guys can hold a candle to the best-selling novelist, Ayn Rand. Maybe you've read The Fountainhead or seen the movie adaptation of Atlas Shrugged. These books were published in the middle of the last century, but they actually surged to the top of the Amazon bestseller list during the Obama years. Many of our political leaders cite her as a role model. Anyway, she has shaped our culture. And here's her take on the cross, speaking as an atheist. Christ, in terms of the Christian philosophy, is the human ideal. He personifies that which men should strive to emulate. Yet, according to the Christian mythology, he died on the cross not for his own sins, but for the sins of the non-ideal people. She means us. <laughs> or pretty much anyone, not her. In other words, a man of perfect virtue was sacrificed for men who are vicious and who are expected or supposed to accept the sacrifice. If I were a Christian, nothing could make me more indignant than that. The notion of sacrificing the ideal to the non-ideal or virtue to vice. Well, okay, Anne. Ein. When you put it that way, it does sound a little unreasonable. Put that way, it starts to sound less like a plan for human redemption and more like an awful waste of human potential. One starts to wonder what more Jesus could have accomplished if he had lived another 30 years, instead of his life being cut tragically short by the powers that be. And when you think about it from her perspective, it gets harder to make sense of the death of Jesus as part of some divine plan for human redemption. It's hard to imagine why God would want the story to end this way. Ayn Rand is indignant about the martyrdom of Jesus. And maybe you can relate to that. But she's also indignant about other things that might make it harder, might be harder to relate to. In her writings, she denounces charity and sacrifice and altruism as evils. And she lifts up selfishness as a virtue. 
This is maybe not too much of a surprise, given her feelings about the sacrifices made by Jesus. At least she's consistent. But it also puts her at odds, not just with Moses and Micah and Jesus and Paul, but with pretty much everyone ever. (laughs) Seriously, who thinks that a solution to the world's problems is more selfishness? Who thinks that the world would be a better place without generosity? But for some reason, Ayn Rand is strangely popular with American Christians. Like House Speaker Paul Ryan, who's a Roman Catholic, gives copies of Atlas Shrugged as Christmas gifts and makes all of his interns read it. It's a real head-scratcher for me. I, I just don't see how the two perspectives work together. But I guess it does go to show you how foolish the message of the cross is. Even some of us who think we are being saved by it may actually be perishing. Even when we think we've understood it, we fail to grasp its implications for our lives. We are sometimes reluctant to take up our own crosses. And I include myself in that. Maybe the secret truth underneath our misunderstandings about the cross is this. While we admire selflessness in others, while we admire selflessness in Jesus, we don't really want to be selfless ourselves. And the message of the cross is that a life lived for others is costly. It costs Jesus his very life. And that sounds a lot like foolishness when what we really want is comfort and security and power for ourselves. But Paul says that for those of us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. For those of us who are called, it is the wisdom of God. Now, if this is true, it must be a very different kind of power and wisdom than the kinds we think we want. What Paul says about the cross seems a little foolish. It seems a little funny, even, in a dark kind of way. Because Jesus does not look very wise when he's hanging, bloody, and beaten from the cross. He looks pretty stupid, if we're being honest about it. What he looks like is someone who pissed off the wrong people and paid the price for it. Wouldn't a wiser person have been more careful about who heard what he was saying? Wouldn't a wiser person have been more careful about who saw what he was doing? And while we're on the topic, Jesus does not look very powerful either. He's immobilized by nails piercing his hands and feet. He can barely lift himself up to breathe. Does he look powerful? No, he looks weak. He looks skinny and underfed. He does not look like ripped Jesus, depicted by so many artists with toned pecs and six-pack abs. Side note, do you ever wonder why they do that? (laughs) I mean, do they really think that he was some kind of warrior with a physique to match? Or maybe they did it because Jesus is really the object of their pity. They want to picture Jesus as looking more powerful than he actually did in that moment. When Paul tried to explain the wisdom of the cross, he offered different explanations at different times. To one audience, he explained that by being perfectly obedient to God's will, Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. To another audience, he explained his death as the culmination of the Jewish sacrificial system. 
To another, he said that his death was the payment of a ransom that freed humanity from bondage. But all of these explanations lack power without the resurrection. I know I'm supposed to save all the resurrection talk for Easter, but without it, I don't know how the message of the cross stops being foolishness and starts being the power and wisdom of God. With the resurrection, the death of Jesus becomes the death of death. With the resurrection, Jesus becomes the cosmic Christ that the empire could not destroy. After Jesus drove the business people out of the temple, some of the people who saw him do it asked to see a sign of his authority to do so. He did not tell them much about the cross, but he did point to his resurrection, which was something that could only be understood in hindsight, and even now we can barely understand it. But Paul helps us with this later um, in this letter to the Corinthians. In the very next section from what we read, he tells them that the secret of the cross is that God purposely chose the foolish to shame the wise and purposely chose the weak to shame the strong. Quote, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Did you catch that first part when he reminds them that they themselves, the Christians in Corinth, were not wise or powerful when they answered the call to follow Jesus? The good news for us this morning is that God used the weakness and foolishness of Jesus to shame the strength and the wisdom of the empire. But the good news this morning is also this. It's that God continues to shame the strong and the wise by using the weak and the foolish. And by the weak and the foolish, I mean, of course, us. Or as our friend Ayn Rand would call us, the non-ideal people. And we may be tempted to believe that we do not have much to offer this world. We may be tempted to doubt that what little generosity we can muster will make a difference. We may be tempted to live for ourselves because living for others is too costly. But the message of the cross is that God will take our foolishness and our weakness and turn it into wisdom and power. So when we go the extra mile at work, when we put in the hours at the food pantry, when we chip in a few bucks at church, when we slow down to listen to someone who is struggling, when we are generous with our time, even when we are tired, when we live for others and it costs us something, we are living in the power and the wisdom of the cross. Amen.